but I really want to take advantage of Dr. Steve Shin being with us because I knew he was going to be with us all week long. And I love the world of art. I love the world of sports and I love the world of surgery. So where do we see hands and the value, the subtleties of how our fingers can move millimeters? I mean, think about it. When I do surgery, I'm not wearing magnifying glasses. I'm doing a hip re- Yesterday I did two hip replacements and four knee replacements. I'm not using a microscope and I can move my fingers and my hands with a hammer and a saw and all the tools that I love to use to be a carpenter in the body. And yet, in the room above me on the fifth floor, the neurosurgeons are working. They're, they're trying to tease a tumor off of the brain that's as thin as a hair. So they've taken a microscope that allows them to see smaller than a human hair in the brain and their hands can move microscopic movements. Think about that. How can our brain and our fingers move so quietly in millimeter increments and I'm swinging a hammer on the floor below? This is the subtlety of the electronics, the nerves, the blood vessels, the plumbing, the tendons, the muscles, and how the joints work. It's truly a miracle. And in the world of sports, when you get that miracle of subtleties of how to hold the baseball to create the spin, you get to create a pitch called the cutter that Mariano Rivera threw, and every baseball batter knew it was coming, and they could not hit it. Listen to Vin Scully talking about Mariano Rivera's pitch called the cutter. The cutter, which is a fastball that breaks, they say that his cutter breaks about eight inches. It's a remarkable pitch. Basically, it's the only pitch he throws now, and even though they know it's coming, they can't handle it. They can't handle it. So let's go to the science behind how the hell he makes the ball spin with these subtle movements in his fingers, in his hands. Mariano Rivera. Another way hitters try to identify pitches is by spin. Rivera's four-seam fastball leaves his hand at 90-plus miles an hour, rotating at roughly 1,500 RPM along a vertical axis, adjusting his grip by a few millimeters, literally a stitch or two, and altering fingertip pressure, Rivera's cutter leaves his hand just as fast, but spins on a tilted axis at up to 1,600 RPM. It's called the Magnus effect. Spin creates pressure differentials in the airflow on each side of a ball, and the ball curves toward the lower pressure zone. This phenomenon is known as the Magnus effect, and the faster the spin, the greater the curve. How much can it move? Eight inches. Literally, the ball drops right before it gets to home plate. To a batter's eye, the spin and velocity of Rivera's cutter look like his standard fastball. But since hitters only have about 17 hundredths of a second to correctly identify a pitch, they're usually wrong. By the time Rivera's cutter reaches the plate, it's moved laterally up to eight inches. And the majority of that movement is in the last 10 feet of the ball's flight. At that point, the human eye is physically unable to actually see a ball traveling that fast. 
Why can Mariano Rivera hold a baseball like no one else? What is it about the subtleties of his fingers that allow him to do that? It comes from the fact that he grew up dirt poor in Panama, the son of a sardine fisherman. He was going to be a fisherman until he realized, I'm not doing this for a living. The boat nearly capsized. His uncle actually died from a, a, a cable that snapped and knocked him off the boat and he died. So he realized, I'm not going to do this. And he loved soccer and he loved baseball. But in growing up to help his father make a living, Mariano Rivera had to, he learned how to lift the fishing nets up with both hands, all 10 fingers spread maximally to lift up the fishing nets. And you do that over and over again as a kid. He credits that to stretching and giving flexibility to his fingers so that he could hold a baseball like nobody else. Listen to him in his own words talk about, you want to know what poor is? How about your baseball glove is made of cardboard? The interviewer says, can you tell us what that's like? Mariano Rivera says, give me a cardboard box, give me a knife, and I'll show you. So on the video, you see him take a cardboard box, cut a hole in it, and make a baseball glove. Listen. I'm going to show you right now. I use this cotton board. Well, kind of like this. This is my glove. So the paper, the paper box was your glove? Oh, that was a big glove. That was also a Smith glove. Big time. Good glove. See? Put a whole cutter bar. Call the uh, cotton board box behind there. Put it there. My wrist. Here's my glove right here. Put me there. This is the ball from anywhere. That was my glove. Wow. How do you make your fingers respond this way? Well, we hear about it in sports, in Mariano Rivera. What about in the art world, which I love so much? One of the greatest painters of all time, Renoir. Renoir, teammates with Claude Monet in the 1880s, revolutionized the art world and invented Impressionism. The most beautiful way to look at life with globs of colored paint that kind of look like what you're looking at in nature or a portrait, but it's not the realism that a photograph can do. It's better. It's because of the technique and how they could use their fingers. Here's the problem. Renoir's portraits being so beautiful because he had the skill. He only used seven colors, and, but he knew how to mix them. The problem is he's, he later in his life got rheumatoid arthritis, which crippled his fingers. We know this because when we look at the portraits he did after 1888, you see the deformity in the fingers of the models because an artist can't help look at their own fingers when they paint, to paint the model. So you see the development of his rheumatoid arthritis in his portraits. It's a fascinating use of the subtleties of his fingers. His name was Renoir. And everybody that's been to Chicago knows On the Terrace, which is in the Art Institute of Chicago. I love this painting because it's the scientists, it's the conservators there, Mary Jean Butler and Inga Fiedler, that study all their paintings to try and conserve them. They want to know how they're made and how they're put together. And they were able to determine that in this painting, Renoir only used seven paints. How was he able to get all those different kinds of variations of colors? 
be painted wet into wet. Listen to what wet onto wet means. That meant he took the paintbrush and he dipped it into one color, put it on the canvas, took a different paintbrush, put it into a different color, and then mixed it while it was still wet. Now you know where I'm going with that. Did his technique change after he developed rheumatoid arthritis? Wet into wet, beautiful painting, varied colors, only seven. So here is Madame Clapizon that Inga sent me. And if you look in the upper right-hand corner where he signed his name, you can see that the individual colors are mixed. And some you can see as individualistic, and some you can see as blended together. The technique of wet on wet, but he's got to change because of the disease in his fingers. So since it takes several years before even a layperson can see the typical deformities of rheumatoid arthritis, maybe 1888 was the right time. Let's remember that date as the start of his rheumatoid arthritis. And so let's look at every painting after 1888. Two girls reading, young girls at the piano. That's Edward Monet's daughter and his goddaughter in the dark hair. And so what did he do? He took responsibility for his disease. He designed his own exercise equipments. He juggled leather balls. He played with his ball and peg game in which you throw the ball up and it's got a little hole in it and you catch it in the peg. But we see the deformity in the figures. Now here's a photograph he's talking about of what those deformities look like. But then in 1901, he gets a remission. And here he's painted again. But notice the swelling of his metacarpal phalangeal joint in that index finger. And look at the deformity in his hands as he's still sitting in that chair. And then in 1903, he moves to the south of France to seek the better weather. The disease takes over, but he's still able to paint. So I want to show you this movie of him actually painting now. Look at the ulnar deviation. Look at the paintbrush coming out in between his fingers. There is, for the people who can't see the movie that only saw a still of it, they, the lay literature says that he painted with the paintbrush in his hand, and he said no. He, he, he just held the paintbrush there, and you'll see that in the movie. The kinetic chain. He may be sitting in a wheelchair, but how he sits ultimately is what comes through his fingertips, and he's able to fight the disease even though he's so crippled. The subtleties of what a hand can do and how you can maintain yourself we see in Renoir. Listen to football player Drew Brees, who Dr. Steve Shin had to put back together again when he tore his ulnar collateral ligament in his thumb, but you say, what does the foot have to do with my fingertip and throwing the football? Everything. It's called the kinetic chain. To throw the perfect pass, it's all about the kinetic chain. It's now just a matter of that rhythm of the energy being transferred from my feet, then to my hips, all the way up to my shoulders. And as my arm's coming through, the last thing to leave the ball is that index finger. It's almost an optical illusion. We live our lives using our hands, but it's actually all together. From the bottom of our feet into our knee, our hip, our back, exiting. The last thing that that ball or racket sees is what comes off of our fingertips. The subtleties of our hands in art, in sports, and surgery. What a joy to be able to talk about it with Dr. Steve Shin. Coming up next, we'll get into, I'll take some calls. Maybe I'll have Dr. Shin answer some calls as well. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on ESPN LA 710. By the way, there's a Facebook page that Steve Paulette put together. Don't forget to visit this Facebook page. It says Weekend Warrior. Put that in the search. 
You'll see my picture. You'll be able to listen to all kinds of aspects of this show. I'm not good enough to do a Facebook page. Thank God I got Steve Paulette in my life. The Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. I'll dig that crazy beat. We really get them all.